Welcome to the Elk Talk Podcast with Randy Newberg and Corey Jacobson. Presented by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. The goal is what little you and I know about elk hunting, we share with people. I've got an elk building, it's like 120 yards away, what do I do? First off, the thought would never cross my mind when an elk being 120 yards away to call anybody on a cell phone. <laughs> All elk. All the time. Only elk. Only elk. Well, it's us having conversations. So we usually go down some rabbit holes. But if you hunt with Corey Jacobson, you will find the landscape is full of rabbit holes. We're just going to make this up as we go. And you look at it like, oh, that's a target-rich environment. But if you're trying to single one out, a solo target there is much easier to go into than a, a big group. Well, we record everything, so there's no BS and no lying, no faking it with us. <laughs> Did we hit the record I button? I forgot to hit the record <laughs> button. If you want to know something about elk hunting, this probably isn't the podcast to listen to. <laughs> Should we give them a list of all the other podcasts well. where they might learn something? <laughs> The Elk Talk Podcast is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, ensuring the future of elk, other wildlife, their habitat, and our hunting heritage. To become a member, go to rmef.org. The Elk Talk Podcast is also brought to you by Mountain Ops, making outdoor energy and performance nutrition to make you a stronger and healthier elk hunter. They have a full line of hunting-related supplements, including meal replacement shakes, multivitamins, pre-workout fuel, and post-workout recovery. And my favorite, their new performance protein bars that, by the way, are packed with 270 calories and 20 grams of protein, but contain less than 6 grams of sugar. Visit mountainops.com to learn more and to order, and be sure to use the promo code ELKTALK to save on your next order. The Elk Talk podcast is also brought to you by Go Hunt Maps. We've been using Go Hunt Maps since they started, providing them with our feedback and our ideas to add to their maps and their tools. So if you go to GoHunt.com and sign up for their Explorer Maps, you'll get all 50 states for the low price of $49. And by using promo code ELKTALK, they're going to give you $20 of credit in their gear shop that you can apply towards things you might want for this upcoming hunting season. GoHunt.com, Explorer Maps, promo code ELKTALK. Lastly, the University of Elk Hunting online course is a proud partner of the Elk Talk podcast. And within the University of Elk Hunting online course, you're going to find nearly 60 chapters organized in 17 modules of elk hunting instruction aimed at making you a more successful elk hunter. From planning and e-scouting to calling strategies and packing Every imaginable elk hunting topic is included in the online course. And regardless of your previous elk hunting experience or success, I'm confident the University of Elk Hunting online course will make you a more confident, more successful elk hunter. Just visit elk101.com and use the promo code ELKTALK to save 20% when you sign up for a membership to the University of Elk Hunting online course. And with that, Corey... We are ready to get into it. Let's jump into it. All right, Corey, I just hit the record button because you and I were talking about our, we were comparing our diets, and this probably had nothing to do with elk hunting. It has everything to do with elk hunting. But you are more dialed into this stuff than me. I'm just a creature of habit. I got a bum liver, so the Mayo Clinic has me on 40 grams of protein a day. No more now, than that. Like, you can't no, surpass yeah. that. 
I'm not supposed to, but I do at times. Uh, <laughs> so a cup of milk has seven grams of protein. So when I had my raisin bran this morning, I'm already counting towards that. Uh, you know, if I have a turkey sandwich for lunch, poof, right there, I'm, I'm maxed out. You know, yeah. if I throw a slice of cheese on there, I'm probably over the over the limit. And you, you've been grilling me about my diet. I'm like, well, we, we and then what kind of where this relates to listener questions is one guy asked if he should bulk up because you said you bulked up last year and he wanted to know how it went. And I'm reading that question. And I'm like, well, I bulk up every year, like seven or eight pounds. Of, you know, if, if it's winter time in Montana, I, I got my winter britches, and then I got my, you know, hunting season britches. <laughs> One fits a little better than another. So, uh, yeah, I, I was just telling you that you know I ate a scone yesterday for breakfast. Today I had raisin bran and milk for breakfast. I had an apple for lunch, and you you gave me the the business about the fact that I shouldn't only eat an apple for lunch because then my body thinks I'm starving and it starts turning everything into fat. Yeah, what am I supposed you know, to eat, Corey? This is uh, so this is not approved by the FDA advice. This I, has not been evaluated by a doctor or anything. Uh, but yeah, I, I've just I found that when I try to diet, like starve myself, mm-hmm. like limit yeah. how much I'm I'm taking in, yeah. it almost seems like my body goes into that, you know, like what an elk would do. It's it's trying to make it through the winter. It's using as little energy as possible. It's trying to reserve everything. And I really think that when you when you do that, you eat, say, you know, a breakfast with sugar in the morning, and then all yeah. you have for lunch is an apple. I think that your body's going to turn everything it can into fat to try to make it through that long day where you aren't putting any calories in and hmm. you, you go into storage mode rather than what you're trying to do. Huh. Well, by looking at the mirror in the morning when I got my shirt off, I think you're right about the storage mode. <laughs> <laughs> like, holy crap, where'd, where'd this come from? I, uh, I've been, I haven't been eating very much, but now you're telling me I should eat more. I, I, as long as I, it's good stuff. I mean, you don't want to eat two scones for lunch and then go to Dairy Queen for a snack in the afternoon. That's, hmm, you know, I, that's not going to be the right thing either. But no, yeah, you're I, in a I, you're in a rough situation with being limited yeah. on protein intake so yeah it's all i get to eat is carbs and you're hungry all the time when all you get to eat are carbs yeah. and uh it's not that good for you so every once in a while i cheat you know they made me keep a log of my diet for a couple of years <laughs> and one i got tired of it but i thought well i'll bring it back to them and we'll do an analysis so i I was violating my 40 grams of protein quite regularly, uh, and I pay for that. But you, you really can't live on a diet of carbs. It's tough. It's not good. I I eat more cashews. Whoever, I should get sponsored by – where do they grow cashews? Uh, I'm not know sure. Where, I, don't, I don't know. I, just, I know they get, I get peanuts my, in Georgia, but – I get, I get my, my shoes. I, I just get my shoes at the regular store, so – Oh, okay. There you go. I, I, is that a dad joke today? Or I don't know. <laughs> Don, Donnie, get that one for you. But I, I eat more cashews than probably anybody. Uh, and then every day I make sure I eat some wild game. And that's the only time I really count what my protein intake is. Uh, all that milk and other stuff. Is like, yeah, I don't. 
that doesn't count on my tally. So six <laughs> ounces of wild game is 42 grams of protein. So if I have a six ounce burger, that's all I'm supposed to have that wow. day. Wow. And a six ounce burger is, that's like a slider. That's not a burger. Yeah. Right. And if you throw a slice of cheese on there, it's like, what the heck? So sometimes my math isn't that good. Well, here's the deal. Your cashews, one ounce of cashews has five grams of protein in it. So I know that. I I, I don't know how many cashews make up an ounce, but I'm guessing a handful is going to add up really quickly. No, last night watching the hockey game, I'm pretty sure I hit the 50 grams of protein count and above. So, (laughs) but, you know, I've already, part of this is age. You know, I've been dealing with this since I was, uh, 42 so 15 16 years so yeah over that course of time you're going to lose some body mass but as quick as they put me on that diet i lost probably 20 pounds of muscle mass within really? a year or two yeah wow. so oh well that's part of driving a desk for a living and being a nerdy accountant you just kind of look like that anyhow right you're not going <laughs> to go win any any contests, you know, not out there flexing and taking pictures of yourself in the mirror, you know, but, uh, <laughs> so anyhow, we already covered one listener's question. He's asking yeah. about what did it help you or hurt you or make no difference when you bulked up as far as weight last year? So it absolutely helped. And mm-hmm. when, when we talk bulk up, you know, it's not like I, you know, took steroids and sat in the gym for four hours or anything like that. But I focused on areas that are important, you know, back and shoulders and legs. And I think I've mentioned before, but I usually hang out at like 182 to 185 pounds, uh, somewhere in there. And then I get to elk season and by the middle of October, I'm down to like 172, 174 pounds, which you think, well, 10 pounds for as much hiking as we do, that's, that's not a lot. But I just feel weak and puny, and it takes a bit to recover after elk season. And this year, well, at the beginning, a year ago, at the beginning of the year, I had a goal to hit 200 pounds, which I've never been 200 pounds in my life. Uh, and I didn't hit it a healthy way. I just bulked up, you know, by, by eating more calories. And then once I hit 200, then I started hitting the gym really hard, trying to burn off the fat, turn, turn what I could into muscle. And I ended up right around 195, 196 pounds, which was good. And through hunting season, my legs were strong. Uh, things just, it, it felt better. I recovered faster and, and things went a lot better. And the other thing was at the end of season, I didn't feel weak and I was able to jump right back in. So I'm doing it again and I'm probably going to try to push it up and, and do a little more than what I did last time and maybe get up to 205 or so and see if, uh, see how that helps. But my legs are so much stronger. My hip pain and knee pain is gone. Um, and I did, you know, I started a lot of the stuff I did was just body weight exercises. So, you know, I'm doing just squats with no weights and doing lunges and push-ups and things like that that anybody could do at home without any weights or any, you know, any 
tools at all. And then I got some, uh, some bands, some uh, mm-hmm. exercise bands and started using those. And you can do so much with those. And I started noticing more results from using those than, than when I use actual weights. So I'm, I'm doing kind of a combo of everything now where I'm doing body weight and then bands and then some, some weights as well. But it's, uh, I think I'm, I wouldn't say stronger than I've ever been, but I think I am more fit for the mountain uh, than probably I've ever been. Wow. Well, I'm weaker than I've ever been. So I guess <laughs> if you're going the other direction, you know, I, if we need somebody to yang and somebody to yang around here. So yep. uh, have sounds you ever like figured a, out what's that? I was going to say, sounds like a good year for us to hunt together. Well, that's what I was going to say. Have you ever decided what it is you've obligated me for the first week of September? Oh, I've known all along. I'm just not telling you yet. Well, I saw Donnie down at the Wild Cheap Show this week and down in Reno, and he already ratted you out. So What? Uh, yeah, he better he not me, have. He told me what you had in mind. Well, so. he's probably bluffing, so yeah, that's good. Said, I made sure he knew not to tell you. So we're, yeah, uh, he, he said it involved a lot of grouse. So I'm like, all right, uh, I'm in. So. Yeah. And then he laughed. So I knew that he was, <laughs> I knew he was jerking my chain. But uh, did you, uh, you probably haven't looked. We launched Destination Elk earlier this week. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously this year the, the teams are missing a team with Randy Newberg on it. And there have been quite a few concerns about where's Randy? We, we missed really? the grouse content. Oh, man. I'm sorry, folks. I, I, uh, I didn't make it. I, yeah. I, I was such a bad sidekick the year before. I <laughs> thought, well, you know, Corey wants people to watch this stuff, not to just complain about who's that fat gray-haired guy there. Uh, but, <clears throat> no, I hope folks are watching Destination Elk. I just got in town. I'm trying to catch up, so I got a couple episodes I got to watch here. It's what are you been, doing uh, every, every other night? Uh, every Tuesday and Thursday, six Thursday. o'clock okay. p.m. Mountain Time, it goes live. So, okay, well, we craziest thing. We usually, yeah. you know, comments on on it are always good, and we'll yep. get you know on a really good episode, we'll get seven hundred, eight hundred comments sometimes, and yep. uh, we probably average three to four hundred. The first episode, we're already at mm-hmm. twenty eight hundred comments. Oh. The second episode came out last night, so we aren't even 24 hours into it, and we're at like 1,700 comments. Wow. Yeah. And that's how how they get in the drawings, though, right? Yeah, so they they just leave a comment, and they they get entered to win the gear package we're giving away in each episode. Ha. Wow. Yeah. I hope they keep doing that. Yeah. I think elk101.com. Oh, no, the Elk 101. What's the name of the channel? Elk 101 or Elk101.com? Uh, on YouTube, if you just look for Elk 101, okay. you'll find it. I think the official name is Elk101.com because you can't use uh, any punctuation or anything in there. Yeah. Oh, well. I just renamed my YouTube channel. You just what? Renamed my YouTube channel. What'd you name it to? below average outdoors <laughs> no, no not the right where it used to be randy newberg hunter but 
I'm trying to get away from everything being Randy Newberg centric, right? For the last six yep. years, I've had a crew and we've been trying to integrate all them. So we changed it to fresh tracks. So if cool. anyone's wondering, Randy Newberg drift off into the sunset. Uh, nope, you're not rid of me yet. But uh, <laughs> hey, I got a question here. I got a couple questions. Some people asked me some questions while I was in Reno last week. But one of uh, Travis is from Washington, and he wrote in uh, two questions. He had one: Why don't we hunt Washington? And two: <laughs> He gets the elk in this really thick timber, and he can hear them. He can hear limbs breaking. He can hear everything, but it's so thick he can't see them. What does he do? So I'll answer the first question. Okay. And then I'll let you answer the second question. I assume he's <laughs> archery hunting if he says he calls him in. The reason we, I, I can speak for myself and Al, the reason I've not hunted Washington is we uh, try to show content that for the traveling elk hunter uh, is a good value proposition for him. And Washington just doesn't have the, the criteria that makes for a good value proposition, uh, cost wise, crowding opportunity uh season dates and lengths uh, and just the elk herd the condition of the elk herd in general so and then also if most of our listeners are going to have to drive to washington they're going to be going through some really good elk country to get there right uh, why would somebody drive say they came from nebraska why would they drive through wyoming through idaho and over to washington to hunt elk they just drove through some of america's Fast elk habitat so that's why travis i know it's not that we're picking on washington and just how it is yeah no and so, i i actually in the university of elk hunting i made a chart of the 10 western elk states and ranked them based on you know cost quality of the hunting uh just all you know everything i over-the-counter opportunities, and Washington was number 10 out of 10. Uh, so it fits right in with what you're saying. You know, it, if you even, there's there's some decent, well, there's some really good draw hunts in the southern part of the state, you know, down around the blues and everything. Yeah. But you have to buy a, an elk tag, an elk license as a non-resident before you can even apply. And then if you don't draw, you're limited to basically spike seasons. And so it's a big investment to go and look for a spike every year. Uh, I will hunt Washington. I'm uh, I'm still doing research there. You know, I don't know if it'll be on the on the west side hunting Roosevelts, or if it might be up in the northeast part of the state hunting Rocky Mountain elk. But I have a goal to shoot an elk in all ten of the western states, and Washington and Nevada are the two that are left. So it's on my radar, but it'll never be one like you said that we promote to to people as a as a value proposition that this is a place to go both in terms of the quality of the hunt and the cost and the location and pretty much everything so we uh we have nothing against it and uh i think there are people that have it dialed in and do well there but it's uh it's not high on the list of interest yeah so how do you how does he get that elk to come within shooting range when he can hear it and smell it but it won't come any closer yeah that's uh so last night episode two of destination elk shannon and Corey are hunting over on the oregon coast and they get a bold bugle in the reprod which is just so thick you know I, i've been through reprod in idaho and it, yeah it's thick but 
it's nothing like what you see in Oregon. And yeah. you get there and it's just a solid wall. So they get a bold bugle and they move in on it and they're standing there kind of trying to pinpoint, you know, listen, and they hear a branch break maybe 30 yards away. So Shannon just immediately turns, gets set up, and doesn't even have to bugle or anything. And the bull steps uh, to the edge of the, the reprod there, and he has a 15-yard shot and shoots a really nice Roosevelt bull. But, you know, it, it is tough in most of those places. He, he fortunately had an opening there, and I think that's really what you have to do if you're hunting anything on the coast or anything, you know, especially northern Washington, northern Idaho, where it's just like the coast. Uh, you've got to find lanes. You've got to find places where you're going to be able to get a shot because you might have an elk at 15 yards and not even see tips of antlers or anything because it's so thick. Uh, as far as bringing them in that final little bit, I've found that in that thick stuff, raking or breaking branches is probably more effective than actually calling. And, you know, I think when you start calling, you get aggressive, you're in that close already. Uh, they're just, they seem a little bit more hesitant to come crashing in. You start raking or breaking branches like you're walking around and it seems like that aggravates them a lot more. So if I was, if I was in that situation, I would be finding a place where I had 15 or 20 yards where I could see, uh, the elk knows where the opening is. So he's probably going to come there because that gives him a little bit of an advantage. And then if you can get somebody 20 or 30 yards behind you, raking, breaking some branches, maybe doing a little bit of huffing and growling like an elk will do in close. Uh, I think that would be a, a pretty good bet during the rut. Yeah, <clears throat> he did qualify it that he hunts by himself because he can't. He, his friends want to sit at home and watch football on Saturdays, he said. Even um, more difficult. Yeah, and in that close, you know, we talk about solo hunting for Rocky Mountain elk in, in normal terrain, and it's tough to get him in that last 60 yards. You get in that thick stuff, and it becomes tough to get him in that last 20 yards, uh, and that's even more difficult. So. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, raking and then you got to be prepared for a, a frontal shot as soon as they poke their nose through the trees there to look at you. Yeah. So uh, Casey asked us a question. And then after Casey's, we got to read this story. The one guy sent us about his buddy who shot the truck door. I saw that. Yeah, we've gotten so many messages <laughs> last week here. So many emails from people. It's been great. But. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Casey wants to know if the presence of black bears, I think he's talking about, affects our choice of where we hunt or how we hunt. And for me, the answer would be no, because every place I elk hunt, I think there are black bears. So I, it's, yeah, they, they have a predation level, especially on newborn calves. But once calves can run away, the predation by black bears, all the studies say, gets a whole lot less. Yeah, uh, I'm sure that if an elk smells a black bear, they're like, yeah, let's get out of here. But I, for me, anyhow, I don't really let it affect my decisions of where I hunt. Yeah, same. That's I think everywhere I've ever hunted elk, there's been black bears. Uh, you get into an area where there's a high population of black bears and camp becomes a little bit more of a nuisance you know they're always seems like they're always into your camp and whether it's donnie's bag of candy or his dirty socks or whatever it is they you know we've had we've had bears go through the side of tents before and that's never fun or pleasant but uh 
from a standpoint of quality of elk hunting, I've, I haven't seen it affect it, like you said. Uh, and the other thing is, from a safety standpoint, yeah, bears will they'll bluff charge. You know, if you surprise a, a sow with cubs, there's some issues there, but it's nothing like what it is when you hunt in grizzly country. So if he's talking just strictly black bears, I wouldn't even worry at all about picking an area. Uh, If it's grizzly bears, then, then yeah, there's some different considerations. Yeah, for sure. Uh, (laughs) Definitely different considerations. If it's Ursa horribilis. uh, (laughs) uh, uh, So can I read the funny story? I'm going to protect his name. I'm not going to say his name, but he'll know that he sent it. But yeah. Um, and it, it made me cringe reading it. Like, Oh yeah. Oh Someone could have gotten hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge, especially Randy and his marriage advice. A podcast or two back, you mentioned something about bad hunting partners. Well, I have a story to tell. I had a gentleman that I worked with who wanted to go bow hunting with me. Against my better judgment, I said yes. I kept telling him he needed to buy a bow so that we could get it sighted in and get him set up. He told me he would take care of all that. He bought a new bow in early June, and I kept inviting him to come shooting with us. He never did, but he told me he was practicing. To make a long story short, he showed up to camp on opening day. After the morning hunt, we always shoot our bows in the afternoon to make sure we didn't bump anything or knock anything off. So we're standing there taking turns shooting at the target. When it's his turn, he draws back. Somebody calls his name. He turns with his bow, fully drawn, release pulled back. (laughs) He shoots. The arrow launches in between two of us and hits the door of my truck. He got mad and blamed us, threw his bow on the ground, got in his truck, and went home. This was all before cell phones, or I would have got a picture of it. He never came back to get his bow, so when we were done hunting that week, I took his bow to his house. He didn't say one word. He grabbed the bow from me, slammed the door. Two weeks later, he quit work, and I never saw him since. After wow. that incident, I always do a little more inquiring about the person I'm going to take hunting with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a story I tell my boys every year at elk camp. <laughs> Man. Ooh. Can you imagine that? Oh, my that goodness. Was, yeah. yeah. I, I've been around people that have, you know, not been as wise with, uh, you know, muzzle <laughs> direction with a bow and you know the turn or take a shot when there's somebody quartering in front of them you know they're shooting at a target practicing and there's somebody still not behind the line of fire uh but to turn around at a at full draw spin all the way around and then end up in between two people and shoot an arrow between them into a door that's yeah he's it's probably a good thing he dropped his bow and got in the truck because yeah, <laughs> that is that's not a conversation that you have and and put a bandaid on. No, that's that's the kind of situation where someone gets if if nobody gets hurt, there's still enough temper and oh, adrenaline yeah. flowing that somebody might get a tooth inventory conducted. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's uh, so. Of all the hunting stories we've received, <laughs> and we've received a lot of them and keep them coming, but when I read that one, I'm like, okay, I think I can keep this anonymous. And since the guy got mad and left, even if he does hear us read it on the podcast, doesn't sound like anyone's going to be too concerned. But my <laughs> guess is he's he's probably not stuck with archery hunting. 
Yeah. (laughs) I'm not going to bet against you on that one. I want (laughs) to bet with you on that one. Uh, We got some questions about Arizona. Uh, Arizona's deadline is coming up February 14th. That's a week later than normal, but that doesn't mean you wait until the last day because if I could bet on something, I, you know, when I was down in Reno, I was in the sports book watching uh, football <laughs> games on Saturday or Sunday. And uh, I was looking to up on the board there. It says, you know, you can, you can bet on just about everything. Oh, like yeah. how many points, first interception. And now you can bet on crazy sports that I didn't even know they let you bet on anymore. Well, I was going to go ask the guy up front, hey, can I bet $1,000 that Arizona Game and Fish, their system is going to crash sometime <laughs> within three days of the of the deadline? But I didn't think the guy would know what the heck yeah. I was talking about. So, <laughs> uh, I think we ought to start a pool every year and let people bid or bet on which system's going to crash. Okay, yep. you get to pick which one you think is going to crash. And I bet you 60% of them would say Arizona. Ooh, man, I would I would bet against you on that one. I think Idaho. No, would, I think Idaho. Well, yeah. I mean, Idaho yeah, had shut down there on, you know, during the day when you have to be first come, first serve, their system crashed. So that's, yeah. that's complete oversight. Yeah, here's a little workaround if Arizona's system does crash, and the regional offices are probably going to be mad at me for saying that, (laughs) but everybody calls the Phoenix office, right? And it's like, you are caller number 1,842. You know, the estimated wait time is three months. Well, if you call the regional offices, like Kingman, Yuma, uh, Tucson, (laughs) Flagstaff, they can help you too. Yeah, they're uh, going to not like you. Know. <laughs> well, that's the other thing is whatever day it crashes in Arizona, I get so many emails. Randy, do you know a workaround? Do you know? No, I don't. <laughs> the best workaround would be for Arizona Game and Fish to get a new system. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. It's, uh, yeah, down, down in Reno, a bunch of us were sitting around in the Sitka lounger they had a bunch of couches and stuff and the topic came up about uh which system was going to crash and that's when i thought man that'd be an easy way to make some money go over to the sports book there and bet be my luck they finally got it fixed and i'd put a big gob of money out there and it wouldn't (laughs) crash but anyhow arizona some people ask questions they see that the the archery season dates this year uh are changing not changing a lot but they're rolling a little later so that always generates the questions about moon phase and other stuff that we've answered a lot of times but I'd be interested in if you think that it's that big of a deal or not that big of a deal or yeah. what no i uh so we just actually published the article on elk one one dot com uh last week or the week before which week to hunt elk in twenty twenty three and took a look at moon phase and where it lands uh, especially in conjunction with the fall equinox uh and everything mm. and we've got i wouldn't say the best but in, in my opinion I like hunting that middle part of September before things 
really get crazy. That last week of September is it's it's off the charts from bugling activity, but it can be tough to hunt elk when they're so focused on rutting, and it can get frustrating when they're so focused on rutting and so vocal, and you just have trouble, you know, especially calling them in. It can be a good time to spot and stock, but for for mm-hmm. calling, I like hunting before they get into that real peak rut, the actual breeding part of the rut. Mm. And mm. so anytime from like the 10th through the 24th or so, I consider to be prime time. Okay. And this year, the full moon lands on the 29th of September. So that means from the 10th through about the 24th, you never have more than half a moon to contend with. So mm. if if you're, st- I mean, elk are going to breed. They're they're going to breed. They're going to rut, regardless of what the moon does. But yep. the moon does affect their their behavior, especially during the night. And so this year, from the tenth through at least like the twenty second, uh, we're looking at a phenomenal moon phase, which is going to mean the elk are going to be out more during daylight hours feeding. And if the cows are out feeding during daylight hours, the bulls are going to be out rutting during daylight hours. And I think we're going to have more visual, more uh, sightings of elk, more encounters with elk during that. Uh, it'd be the second full week and the third full week. So if you're looking at a calendar, the 9th through the 16th would be the second full week. And the 16th through the 23rd would be the third full week. And then the uh, fall equinox this year happens to land uh, right there on the 23rd. So the end of that third full week. And I really like the dates leading up to that. So either of those two weeks, I don't think you could go wrong. I think the 16th through the 23rd is, is going to be the money week this this year. Mm. Well, season dates this year are the 15th through the 28th. So, the season dates? So, yeah, in Arizona. The 15th through the 28th, that's like perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So now that I've talked all you guys into burning your points for archery, I'm going light rifle. <laughs> <laughs> I that's uh, what I do anyhow. I I do late rifle, but I'm buying I, another I, point. I, you're buying another point, Corey. Another point, yeah. What? You're one of those point collectors. I talk I'm about. one of those guys that doesn't even apply. Just buys a point, sits on the sidelines, and then skews the odds when he decides to apply. I don't know if we can be friends anymore. <laughs> We need to discuss the nature of our association now that I've found that out. (laughs) Uh, The other thing I've looked at is they have some November archery hunts that are all spot in stock. Yeah. That just intrigues me. Not not that I think I would ever fill a tag doing that, but it sure is intriguing. Yeah, and when I look at Arizona, I look at how hard the draw odds are for archery hunts. I go to a unit, a Mungo hunt right here, looking at, you know, whatever unit it is for archery. My odds are at my seven point level, between five and six percent. And now I go down and I look at the late archery. My odds are a hundred percent. I look at the late rifle and my odds are... Uh, let's see, 30, no, 29%. Hmm. Oh, 
Did I, did I have that right? What, oh, uh, no. I, I was looking at the wrong line. My odds are 12%. So late rifle, my odds are almost double what they are, or more than double what they are in archery. And if I want to get, you know, I only need another point or so, and I'd have 100, I'd be in that 20% pool, you know, where you're, you're guaranteed, guaranteed the tag. Yeah. Whereas in archery, I need one, two, three, I need four more points to get in that 100% pool. So hmm. now you know why I hunt late arch or late rifle in Arizona instead of archery. Yeah, no kidding. What uh, right. What are success rates when you compare the two? Oh, they're, let's see, I'll tell you. Success rate, no, uh, it looks like it's averaging in the archery probably 35%. And then in the late rifle is averaging, I should have went into filtering instead of draw odds. But, <laughs> uh, Elk Talk Podcast is brought to you by Go Hunt Insider. You hear us talk about it. That's because we use it a lot. Go to GoHunt.com to get the best information available to the self-guided hunter. I'm talking the best draw odds, strategy articles, amazing e-scouting tools that we've helped design, online and mobile maps, and the best gear shop in the industry. Sign up for Insider using promo code ELKTALK and get $50 of credit in the Go Hunt gear shop. Go to GoHunt.com and sign up now. It's not much different. It's like 40 to 42% in the uh, late rifle. So... <laughs> About this, about the same success rate. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, that's because I'm not in the archery pool. <laughs> I'd bring that. I'd bring that number down. <laughs> yeah. They, they, if they issue me an archery tag, they may as well not even consider it contributory towards the harvest objective they have. On that argument, you should just get a tag every year. Then they should just give you a tag. Oh, man, you should run for president, Corey. I like that idea. Uh, I'm sure that'd be quite a right. Hey, did you see what the Colorado uh, Parks and Wildlife Commission discussed this week? In their, I it was did not. Tuesday. I think it was Tuesday they met. They threw out there the possibility of putting all archery on a limited entry draw for elk. I knew that was coming. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so they didn't pass it or anything, but this is so I did this video and I released it in December talking about Wyoming is kicking around this kind of change, Colorado's kicking around this kind of change, and everybody is just hair on fire that I'm trying to manipulate all the behavior. <laughs> I wish I had that much influence, but I'm just here to tell you folks when this stuff starts getting kicked around and talked about like this. Stuff changes eventually. It might be yep. next year, the year after, but within five years, I would bet any money, all elk hunting in Colorado will be on a draw. Are they discussing it for residents and non-residents or just for uh, non-residents? Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they were saying that they stated all archery. Hmm. So they didn't make a distinction between resident and non-resident. I suspect a moderate compromise that would fly through the, you know, the halls of their legislature would be if you 
made it draw for non-residents and keep it over the counter for non-residents or for residents. Yeah. That'd but, be more similar to Montana and Wyoming, even Idaho, if you look at their debacle of a system. Yeah. But like we talked about last time or the time before, none of this happens in a vacuum. So if all of a sudden you make a change to archery, yeah, that's the, that overflow or whatever you want to call it is going to start affecting the over-the-counter rifle in second and third season if you don't address that at the same time. Yep. And then those hunters are going to say, wait a second, you just pushed all these people over here. Let's do something now for this as far as rifle hunting. So none of it happens in a vacuum, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I don't know how it will play out, but I bring it up because I want people to be thinking about this stuff. And... I guess if they want to get mad at me and think I'm somehow manipulating the <laughs> Well, what's the crazy is it's not even a trickle effect when these things happen. This is like a, no, a dam a breaking loose. This, yep. this is like taking a five-gallon bucket full of water and trying to fill a 16-ounce bottle with it. You know, the 16-ounce the bottle gets filled, but there's a whole lot of water that gushes out everywhere else. And it's, that's what, I mean, we're going to see that in states and that's not a doom and gloom. Yeah. You know, that's just the reality of there's a lot of demand and, yeah. you know, non-residents and we, you know, you and I get blamed continually for being the reason there's so many more hunters. And, yeah. you know, that's, that's just the reality. There are more hunters uh, in this space, you know, you look at the overall number of hunters and maybe it's not growing at the same rate, but yep. Western hunting, there's a draw to that. There's a draw to people moving. So it's not just a non-resident thing. You nope. limit the non-residents and it's going to be more than a trickle that residents are going to start complaining. They're seeing too many people from their own county that are hunting there now. So it's, there's things yep. that are going to change. That's just the, the reality of what we're up against. So. Yeah, which leads into the question from Austin and says, in regards to the changes being made in Wyoming and the point creep associated with the mid-tier to lower-end hunts, do you feel that harder-to-draw units will see a decrease in applications? So to people flocking to burn points on hunts, they are more likely to draw the higher-end ones. In the past, have you ever seen a major upheaval in a draw process like we are seeing in Wyoming this year? Uh, well, we're not seeing it in Wyoming this year because it didn't, it hasn't passed their legislature. So it's, it's, it's really, is it going to happen and is it going to happen in 2024, 2025? And so I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of the application services are telling their clients, hey, be thinking about this. Uh, so I, I don't think that it's if it happens, it's going to almost have a cascading effect that, okay, it's the max points in Wyoming is what, 17 or something this year. So you're going to see a bunch of people who, who uh, jump in there. And then you're going to see people at the 10 point level where folks who normally jump in with 10, there's going to be some with 13 who jump in there. There's going to be people at the seven point level where folks with 10 are going to jump in there so it, it kind of cascades have have we ever seen upheaval in a drop process oh yeah <laughs> that's that's if there is one benefit of having been doing this for 25 years is i've lived through arizona just starting their deer points i've lived through arizona changing from you know 
making 20% of the tags available to the max point holders where all the non-resident quota could go in that first part of the draw. And so there weren't even any tags left after the first 20% of the draw. I've seen them change that back. I've seen Colorado's price increases. I've seen Wyoming implement a system like this. I I mean, I've seen Utah change where non-residents had to pick. You get one of the once-in-a-lifetime species, kind of like it is for residents, and you get one of either deer, elk, or pronghorn, but you only get one in each of those pools. And then they changed it where you could apply to all of them. I've seen Montana go from a regular bonus point to squared bonus points. Every one of these, when the system changes, there is upheaval. So that's that's the only reason I bring all this stuff up is I, you know, you and I think we're trying to give people information and knowledge that can help them. And (laughs) so, you know, it'll change. People want to get mad, you know, in today's world. Someone's got to be to blame. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess instead of f- focusing that, that spotlight on whatever legislature or game commission made the change, I guess, you know, point the light at me. I'm, I'm, I'm the guy. So yep. <laughs> that's, I'm glad it's you. <laughs> uh, I still, I still recall when we did the podcast with Larry D. Jones and we got into the discussion about media and, and everything. <laughs> and Larry laughs. He said, I'm so glad you guys came along because now the world can blame you guys for all the problems. They used to blame me and Dwight Chu. Yep. <laughs> and like, that's when yeah. they were only in a in a black and white magazine and a VHS. Like, yeah. <laughs> can you imagine that? Oh, well, but we got a lot of – the reason I bring these up is much like Austin's question – uh, we got a lot of questions about this stuff. I, this time of year, you know, when it's what I call application season, we get a ton of questions about applications. Uh, we got some, right, where people are like, well, what unit should I apply for in Wyoming? Or what unit should I apply for in Arizona? And I suspect the people who submit them are probably like, they never answer my question. Yeah. Well, our our whole process is kind of like we explained last week or last podcast about your University of Elk hunting course. You know, it's it's to get you the tools to make your own decisions. It's not for us to say, oh, unit ABC in <laughs> Wyoming or XYZ in Arizona. That we give you the tools, the way you know what's the approach we take. Go to go hunt. You know, they have all this analysis. It's right there at your fingertips. That's why we don't answer your questions who submit them. You know, I, I've got eight points. Tell me what unit to yeah. apply for. I, or, well, it's, like, gonna... it's like that spreadsheet that I talked about. You know, I've got my spreadsheet and I gave it to a buddy and, and he picked a completely different unit than I did because of his preference of how to hunt and what's important for him as far as the statistics and all of that. And that's the beauty of, of go hunt. It's, it is that spreadsheet. It's that detailed. All the info is there. And if you have eight points in Arizona, you go there, you go to filtering 2.0, you put in Arizona non-resident elk, you can select what season or you can leave it blank and look at all the seasons. You put in your eight points, you want 100% draw odds, 
and it'll kick out every unit there on a nice little map that you have a chance of drawing based on you know what percentage of a chance you want. Then you can click on each unit and get the details about it. And have you seen the new Hunt Planner? I have. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Yeah, yeah for it, sure. I was, <laughs> I was down there a year ago. Well, it'd be summer of 2021. Uh, and I told them, I said, you know, I do so much what-if scenarios. Yeah. That sometimes I get a result and I write it down on a piece of paper over here so I remember what my search criteria was. Because sometimes I want to go back to that. Yeah. And they must, I, maybe other people have made the same request, but now all of a sudden I can save those. Yeah. So well, not only that, but you go into filtering 2.0. So I was going through it yesterday and I'm like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, that's, that's great. I don't know if it'll get rid of my spreadsheets or not. But so you go in and do it and then you hit save and you go into hunt planner and all of those units that you have a chance of drawing are in there. Then you can organize, you can rank them. You can go in and change the ranking on the units based on your different criteria. But the really cool thing is you can compare them side by side with details. You can see bold to cow ratio, success rates, chance of drawing side by side for all of these. So, I mean, it really is, just like the spreadsheet I used to do where I would rank things and then move them around. And it's like, woo, this is, uh, they just, they keep getting better. Yep. No, they, they asked to see my spreadsheets when I was down there one time. Their engineers did. And I'm like, well, I don't know if I want, I'm not going to leave them with you. I'll put them up on the screen here so you guys can see what kind of crazy stuff I do. Uh, and I, it, for me, it was thinking about how much time I spend doing that kind of stuff and now how how little time i'm going to spend doing that kind of stuff or at least accumulating sorting and comparing the data yep there it is what 60 60 to 90 seconds and it's up in front of me hmm. wish i could have done my all my old and this is just being a cpa right nerding out with do you remember when it was quattro pro and lotus one two three those were the first two spreadsheets I had to learn how to use in college. Lotus One Two Three and then Quattro Pro. And I'm sure some of the younger audience is like, "What the heck what? is that?" <laughs> Excel or Google Sheets? You know that that's what you use. Well, that's it was that's not nearly that user friendly. No, but anyhow, that's uh, that's a new feature that I think it came out last week because when I jumped on uh, Monday. Uh, and started looking. I'm like, whoa, there it is. There's some so, change, yeah. So if you want to sign up for Corey's University of Elk Hunting course, go to outdoorclass.com and use promo code ELKTALK and you get a discount. And if you want to sign up for Insider, go there and use promo code ELKTALK. Go to GoHunt. GoHunt.com for Insider. Didn't I didn't say that? It, no, oh. but that's okay. Oh, you, sorry, I knew sorry. that. I knew that's what you meant, but there might be no. a new listener that didn't. So I didn't <sighs> All right. See, that's why I have young people around me, so that when I skip every third or fourth word, they're like, "Wait, you missed something there." See, that's you know? why. That's why people like you, Randy. <laughs> you, you call me young. That's. <laughs> I just, I, you make people feel good about themselves. Well, this is, you know, one guy sent in a, a question that had to do with a lot of marriage advice. Uh, and I, <laughs> I didn't pick it to be asked because it was pretty incriminating. Uh, but this example right here of me just skipping a few words and thinking everybody's supposed to know what I was talking about. 
my wife and I do that to each other all the time. And then you're like, well, you didn't say that. That's not what you said. Well, I did too. No, you didn't. You didn't say that. So no, if this was my wife, her and I would have an argument that I would be in the wrong because I forgot to say gohunt.com, right? And I, but I'm dumb enough. I'd argue with her like, no, I said that. She'd be like, no, you didn't. Yeah, I did. But well, you may have said it. I, I am getting older, no, I and I may not have heard it. So that's, uh, you're so polite. I'm sure it's my fault. I, I'm sure the audience is going to all send us a message. No, Randy, you didn't say it. You not Ed. <laughs> uh, there, unfortunately, there's incriminating evidence because we record everything. Yeah. Uh, so some guy sent in a thing about it. it get it's way too personal to be talking about. <laughs> on, on a, you know, publicly recorded platform like this. And so I'm, I, I have, I can almost answer his question if he watches this video we're just about done with. Uh, it's one of my shop stories and it's about in-laws and hunting privilege, you know, because with marriage usually comes in-laws, right? Yeah. And I have to say, just out, out of the gate, my wife inherited quite a piece of work <laughs> as a father-in-law. Okay. My wife's father-in-law, in other words, my dad was, well, I'm not going to go into those details, but it'd be a challenge to be his daughter-in-law or son-in-law. Well, I inherited another piece of work as a father-in-law. So I do this shop story about, because people were like, how do you end up getting to hunt this much? And it goes into like this 10-year story about all the stuff I had to put up with, with my father-in-law. You know, the fact that I had to pay for most everything. You know, his, his favorite trick was he lived in Vegas, right? So we'd go down there. He's like, let me take you out to dinner and he picked some <laughs> fancy steakhouse. And I'm like, man, he must have really hit the big Kino winning or something. And he'd sit there till like midnight staring at the check. Well, fine. I'm like, I got to get to bed. So I just grabbed the check and pay. <laughs> you know, so that, that, that was just one of his little quirks. And uh, so I tell this whole story about, you know, how I had to do this and deal with that and deal with this and deal with that. And uh, my wife knew it was above and beyond the call of duty and that if he was younger, he would have deserved a, a complete wedgie. <laughs> I mean, uh, but I never, I, you know, I, I might get a little wound up, but I always swallowed my tongue. I'm like, you know, someday being the good husband is going to pay off. And so my wife's the first to admit, you know what, you put up with my dad for all those years and you paid for all this and da, da, da. you go hunt all you want. Wow. So I see that, that's the best, best parallel I can think of for this, this one person who sent in something that I think he really does. He needs a marriage counselor. He doesn't need Randy. <laughs> he, he needs he somebody that knows what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I guess what would be the advice for somebody in my situation that's just opposite? I got like the golden in-laws. And really? yeah, I mean, I, wow. they, they have to put up with me like that's, hmm. so my wife, wow. you know, she doesn't, she doesn't have that, uh, mm-hmm. hanging over her of, well, Corey's put up right. with my parents for a long time. So I'm just gonna let him go hunting. I have great in-laws yeah. 
And well, that, my wife lets me go hunting a lot. So Well, that explains why you split firewood and yeah. you plow the driveway and you mow the lawn and you built your house. Okay. You, you, had, you had to do those kind of things because I had the easy bailout. I had a father-in-law that was completely <laughs> incorrigible and I dealt with him. You know, if I if my father-in-law would have been like the greatest guy in town, I probably would have had to do all those things you do. Gotcha. But well, that I makes sense. I, I don't mow lawns. I fish. You know, I always said, look, if I get old enough and I can afford to pay someone to mow my lawn, I ain't never mowing my lawn. That's yeah. fishing time. You know, I, I don't. Agree. I don't want a wood stove. Or if I had a wood stove, I'd be paying the guy to come bring perfectly cut, and I'd have him stack it. And everything. Put a tarp <laughs> over it because I hunt. I don't cut firewood. Then you so, pay the neighbor kid to bring it in for you every uh, two or three days. Right, <laughs> yep. Yep. I, but, you know, I, I don't have to deal with all that stuff because I had to deal with a father-in-law who was a, a piece of work. So, hmm. uh, honey, if you're listening to this, you know damn well it was the truth. Uh, <laughs> And if, if my in-laws are listening to this, you know, uh, you know, you're the golden in-laws. So, I, uh, I not only married good, I, I married uh, hmm. good in-laws as well. I think you're sucking up. No, it's it's real. Uh, no, this story. I wrote this story. I don't know how long ago. It's 18 pages long, single type. You wrote a story. Uh, Oh, I, I write a lot of stories. I have a, I have, let's see, in my folder here of Randy's stories, I think I've got 14 short stories. Wow. Uh, when's the book getting published? You know, a lot of people ask me that because they read these little Randyisms and stuff. And I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be, it'd sell two copies. My, well, I'd my, buy the first one. My wife. Well, there's three. But, uh, anyhow, it, this person, we're not going to answer your question uh but when my shop story comes out maybe maybe it'll make sense uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's, well, it's it's almost like a podcast format these shop stories i do are 40 45 minutes long so i can't believe anyone watches the whole thing but they they do i'm hmm. like holy cow maybe i'm in the wrong gig here maybe i you know what was that guy, Patrick McManus or yeah. whatever, who did the stories with Rancid Crabtree yeah. and all those in the back outdoor life? Maybe that's what I should do. Just sit on my Yeti cooler out in my shop and tell stories about you know, <laughs> mis misfortunes of life. Um, <laughs> you know what? He Those were, in fact, I bought the full collection of so did I. <laughs> Patrick McManus books. <laughs> And read them yeah. to my kids. Like Sam absolutely yeah. loved them. But there was yeah. one. It was uh, was it endlessly grousing. I can't yeah. remember. I have I had the whole collection. I think yep. I still have them stored somewhere. But they they were great. And I'll never be Patrick McManus material. But you know I, I and here's why I'm so. Uh, what would you say? Uh, not averse, but skeptical about marriage counselors. I know some of them, and I see in the court record that they're getting divorced. You know, what? What? what is it? Why would you pay for advice from a marriage counselor who shows up in the divorce column in the newspaper? <laughs> you know, that's like having the CPA who goes to jail for, you know, tax fraud or yeah. something. Yeah. You know? Uh, just, oh, well. 
Anyhow, <laughs> uh, that the 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 long answer I just gave to that guy's question, is, and you didn't even let let us know what the question was. Well, I'm trying to paraphrase it. The the question is mostly about how do I not get divorced, but how do I hunt as much as you and Corey? Ah, I thought it was a question about in laws. Well, it kind of is. So there's well, going to be places in, in his life. Yeah. There's going to be places in that relationship where he can go above and beyond the call of duty. Yeah. Whether that's splitting that firewood, who, whether yeah. that's dealing with in laws, yeah. Yeah. If you're that husband. Or it could be a spouse. In this case, the guy is a, is a husband, right? If you're the guy who's always just doing the minimal amount to keep the marriage moving along, you know, you're always going out to beer with your buddies after work on Friday night, or you, you go with golfing out as a foursome on Saturday, and you leave the wife doing everything else, well, guess what? You haven't earned much in the way of In fact, you've lost there. it. You've, yeah. you know, not only have you not earned it, you've lost it. Yeah. So how do you help somebody like that? Yeah. You know, I, I'm not saying that that's, no. you know. And there are absolutely I don't know. situations where, you know, there's a spouse that takes on the full load and does a lot and puts up with a lot yeah. and still gets slack for wanting to go and do something like that. And in those situations, yeah, uh, yeah like like Randy said, don't come to us for marriage advice in those situations. That needs real, yeah, that's, real counseling. Yeah, that's not tongue and cheek stuff. Though. Yeah, that's not the <laughs> that's the not the stuff you ask a CPA and an engineer about. <laughs> we'll break out our spreadsheets and say, well, do the debits equal the credits in this relationship? Yeah. Anytime I start giving marriage advice, my wife just rolls her eyes. I'm I'm the least qualified to suggest anything. Yeah, little did I know when I was taking business law in college uh, that the first partnership agreement I'd ever be a part of was my marriage license. <laughs> you know, they taught you, they're like, never sign a partnership agreement without reading all this and getting legal advice, blah, blah, blah. Well, no one told me that a marriage license was a partnership agreement. Yeah. I figured that out about three years into it. Yeah. Like, uh oh, you're a fast learner. There's some of us yeah. that <laughs> a lot longer than that to realize. Oh, see, this is what happens when Corey lets me pick the questions, folks. <laughs> we we kind of take turns a little bit picking what questions, and then I pick questions like this, and here we are. Um, but they're relevant. Sorry. I mean, they are. And I think that people can relate to that. They, Some of them have horrible in-laws like, like maybe you did. Some of them have incredibly understanding and patient wives like I do. Uh, some of them are just stuck in a tough spot. So yeah. I, think, uh, I think we can all relate to some degree that hunting and marriage uh, have to be a give and take. Yeah. They're a give and take, and they're inseparable. If yeah. you get married and you like to hunt, you're going to have to balance that. Yeah. And when we say in-laws, I have to say my mother-in-law oh, yeah, is sorry. just I, a beauty. I mean, just she makes up for all the the detriments that came with the joint in-law relationship. <laughs> Nancy, I love you dearly. I mean, so, yeah, somebody's probably listening to this, going to find her and say, did you know that Randy's talking about you? <laughs> Oh, well, but uh, what else we got, Corey? Did, did you see that Utah moved the deadline from March way into late April or May? Really? Yeah. I didn't because I don't apply in Utah anymore, so I, I don't follow that. But 
Mm. It, all, right. all this is it's just messing things up. Utah moving later means they're going to announce later. Wyoming now yep. announces the end of May or whatever. Yep. I mean, people aren't going to find out what their plans are until June, and they're going to be out of options. Yeah, I, this is something that I've I've been uh, trying to analyze in all my spreadsheets is how draw dates affect what people do. Yeah, because it used to be okay. We do Wyoming, we'd hear about it in late February. We do Arizona, we'd hear about it in March. We we do New Mexico, and we'd hear about it in April. So we had three states that were already kind of out of the gate. Well, and then you still anymore. had then you still had. Uh, Colorado, Idaho, yep. Montana, which were basically yep. over-the-counter states at that time that you could mm-hmm. fall back on every year. So you could apply right. early, no early, and then still go hunting. Yeah. yeah, and Nevada was April. Utah was April. Or m- apply in March, find March, out in April. Yep. So now all of these states got pushed to May. So it's not like you're going to know what your plan is unless you luck out and you draw in Arizona or maybe New Mexico. Yeah. Other than that, the old worry that some had if they had a lot of points of well, what if <laughs> I draw multiple tags, there's there's not as much elasticity to that calendar as there previously was. So does that mean a lot of people are picking and choosing and going to be a point collector like you are? Uh does that mean more people are going to apply in Arizona for an actual hunt? Because at least Arizona will find out in late March. You know, if you drew that, okay, it's a safer bet. Then I'll just do points in all these other states. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if that affects trends. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if it will. I'm just, I want to go hunting so bad that I uh, <laughs> just apply. If I end up with two tags, you know what? I'll figure that out. I'll, I'll oh, be in two geez. places at the same time or something. You just keep that first full week of September open. All right. I'm, I'm going to work on that. I'm going to try to find out what the heck it is. <laughs> I uh, hope I don't need to lose a bunch of weight. Well, I was going to say, it. if it ends up being a little too rugged, I will pack your elk out for you. Oh, well, I might come with a bum hamstring when we get back in there then. So. <laughs> well, you got to watch uh, episode one of Destination Elk. We were, uh, it's day one, opening morning in Idaho, and we had chased a bull all the way up the mountain, tried to figure him out, and he went quiet. And so we're sitting there at about 1130 or noon, and I sit down, and Donnie goes to sit down behind me, and he kind of gets about halfway down, then all of a sudden just collapses, just hits the ground. And I'm like, it's a long ways down, isn't it? And uh, he's like, did you hear my knee pop? And I'm like, we aren't even halfway through day one of the archery season here, and you're already coming up with excuses to get you out of packing an elk. And so, yeah, come, if, you, if you have a bad hamstring, you better let me know early, because otherwise I'll know that you're just trying to get out of packing. Hmm. How old is Donnie? How is Donnie? How old? Oh, how old is Donnie? Donnie is uh, 52, be 53. Yeah, I got him by six years. Yeah. Yeah, I need to quit hunting with all you young guys. (laughs) (laughs) That's what keeps you young. You guys interrupt my afternoon naps. And, uh, you know. I saw a video the other day. Somebody said, yeah, 
it's noon, I'm going to take a Newberg style nap. I'm like, <laughs> now that is something to to be known for. <laughs> Napping. What's what's like, a Newberg style nap? How does that differ from a regular afternoon nap? I have no idea what he really meant by that, but I'm pretty damn proud that I now have a nap that is referred to by me because I'm I'm like the Charlie Daniels of the afternoon nap, man. I am like <laughs> on it. My crew knows better than to wake me up if I'm over there in the shade, especially in September. You know, you got to charge your batteries. The days are long. The miles are long. The elk aren't always cooperating. So there is nothing better than that. Yeah. Yeah. That should be the first thing on a hunting partner checklist. Do you take an afternoon nap? And if they say no, just throw that one in trash. Yep. Didn't, Didn't meet the meet the criteria no, i'm not talking going back to camp and barbecuing a big meal and then laying no, down in no, a camper no, no. i'm talking mm-hmm. underneath a tree with your backpack under your head and mm-hmm. the sun you know this the sun has to be typically i want the sun like on my shoulder down one side and on a leg and then the other part is in the shade because yeah. then when you get too hot you just roll over and you're in the shade. And when you get chilly, you roll back over, and you can sleep for a couple hours there, really Easy. hard and comfortably. Yeah, and if you take your boots off, your boots, oh. all the sweat and perspiration goes out of there. You just, yep. oh man, that's yeah. I mean, the only thing is ants. It seems like there's always ants, and that's the huh. they are the detriment to a, a September nap in the mountains is hmm. keeping those ants I've from never, climbing on you. I don't know that I've ever had a an ant problem i one time and people saw this i did a wyoming hunt and i took a nap here's the thing you don't do this is so don't be like randy i took a nap and i set my bow over under along this tree and the shade wasn't good enough when i first laid down next to my bow so i got up and i moved well marcus wakes me up he's like hey i hear some elk bugling i'm like ah they're far away don't worry about no, I think they're getting closer. <laughs> Quit. I'm tired, man. I got my boots <laughs> off, everything. All of a sudden, clankety bang, you hear hoofs coming down the rocks right in front of us. Here comes 70 elk right down in front of us. And a nice five by five stands at 18 yards looking at me. And my bow is five yards away. <laughs> okay, don't, don't be stupid like I am. If you take a nap, make sure your bow is nearby. Because there's some correlation to the level of unpreparedness and the likelihood of something happening. Oh, totally. I, yeah, I, you go I hiking all day without a without a backpack and without a a knife, you're going to kill something mm-hmm. a long ways from the truck. Oh, and yeah. if you go without a flashlight, you're guaranteed to be packing it in the dark. Yeah, yeah. If if you you know leave the truck and your release fell off in the first hundred yards, you're almost going to get run over by an elk. Yep. And then you're he's going to stand there broadside at ten yards, looking at you like he's never seen yeah. a human before. Yeah, they're they're just something to that. So if any of you have funny stories about that, <laughs> we'd love to hear those too. Because the the stories we get about hunting partners, man, they get pretty personal, and yeah. uh, we've we've had to use a pretty good filter to. I've got one. Out. Can I can I share one? You do? Yeah. yeah. About a hunting partner leaving his release. Donnie? Yeah. Well, I won't mention names, but <laughs> but yeah, it was Donnie. <laughs> 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 yeah. It was uh it was opening day. And this has been shoot 2008 probably. 
mm-hmm. almost 15 years ago. And uh, yeah. opening day, we're heading up the trail, and we get about 200 yards up the trail. And Donnie says, and it's dark, you know, it's an hour before daylight. And he says, oh, hold on, I got to run back to the truck. I'm like, why? And he's like, I forgot my release. And I said, well, you know, I've got a tag in Arizona, and you're taking time off to go and call for me down there. So you got first shot anyway, so just take my release and use it. So mm-hmm. he puts on my release, and he's left-handed, of course. So I wanted, you know, Uh-oh. I didn't, I didn't know it would work, <laughs> but they're they're interchangeable. So you know, you can use a, mm-hmm. a right-handed release as a left-hander. But we uh, we get up there, and we get two bulls bugling, and we're a long ways from the truck. We're I don't know two miles, three miles from the truck. Get two bulls bugling, so the wind's coming downhill. So I set Donnie up down below me, and I stay up to call this bull into him. Well. It's coming across, but it's taking its time. And the one straight up above us is coming like a freight train down the hill. And all of a sudden, I see antlers at like 60 yards up there. And I'm looking over at my bow on the ground five yards away. And I'm looking at my Uh wrist with no release on it. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't want to call aggressively, but I need to get this other bull coming in. Because once this bull comes in and sees me, he's going to go down below and wind us and blow both of them out of there. And so I'm looking and he gets to about 40 yards and he goes behind the last little set of trees before he pops out into the wide open with me and him. And so I reach over and grab my bow and put an arrow on and I'm, you know, I'm looking at my fingers going, okay, one below, two below, one above. And I'm thinking if he gets close enough, you know, out of self-defense, maybe I might have to shoot. <laughs> this bull comes to 10 yards. And when he gets to about, when he pops out of the trees at 40 yards, I draw back with my fingers and he just keeps walking and he keeps walking and he comes to 10 yards and he stops and he's looking right through me. Like he's looking down the hill, but he doesn't see me standing there. You can see in his eyes, he's not even the lead guards, you know, completely down. He's just, he's in (laughs) la la land. And so I buried that arrow full length right into his throat. And uh, he went about 10 yards and I cow called and he turned around and faced me. And it was like a faucet was on just spraying blood out the front of him. Well, he falls over right there and starts rolling down the hill. And Donnie is set up down below me 30 yards (laughs) in the alders. This bull is rolling down through the alders and he lands about six yards from Donnie. And Donnie comes to full draw on him because he thinks that the bull that I've been calling in is crashing down the hill to him doesn't know that I've shot or anything. And uh, <laughs> anyway, that was, uh, that was my story about a hunting oh. partner who forgot his release. I gave him mine and had to shoot one in self-defense at 10 yards with fingers. And uh, wow. Donnie never did end up getting that other bull that was bugling. Well, that's just karma because you were the good guy and loaned totally. your release. Absolutely. Yeah. That bull said, you know, that's Corey. He's a good dude, man. I'm going to, I'm going to give him <laughs> a free one today. for the team here. Yeah. Uh, huh. I thought you were going to say that the bull rolled down and hit Donnie or something. It was pretty close. He was backing up as it was coming down through the alders at him. Wow. Huh. Uh, it, it, so this is a side story. It doesn't have anything to do with uh, elk hunting. But one of my friends, <laughs> the, the, hearing this, it made me think of it. He was hunting down in the Madison River, which in Montana, the Madison Valley is like this big flat. And then the river has this like drop to it. There's like little, in some parts, like a 10-foot 
little cliff that you so they were past shooting these geese coming over and this guy he draws up and he shoots kind of at a lower angle and he hits one and as he the geese come over the top of him now his he's pointed straight up and that first goose he hit hit him in the ribs broke a couple ribs knocked him down into the river and knocked him out and his buddies had to dredge him out of the thankfully the river was shallow right there had to dredge him out of there (laughs) wow (laughs) yeah i'm like what if that happened to you when you were all alone that'd be karma huh no kidding (laughs) revenge of the goose but that's like uh, Remy telling us a story about trying to catch one. You know, he shot it and tried catching it out of the air. I think it was a duck, wasn't yeah. it? Not a goose. Right. Broke his broke his hand. Well, yeah, he's been uh, he's been handless for six months or something. Had surgery on his wrist and everything. Had to learn to shoot a bow with a mouth tab. And yeah, yeah. you just you don't done. catch falling projectiles, especially ones that you cause to fall. That's no. just that's karma. Yeah, and when they're falling, they already were flying about 30, 40 miles an hour. <laughs> they weigh, you know, 3 to 10 pounds. You know, you don't have to be an engineer or a physics major to know that Newton probably says this is not a good idea. 9.8 feet per second squared. That's uh, yeah. that's the rate that things accelerate when they're free falling, and yeah, they uh, you add a little bit of mass to that acceleration, and you've got some force that's going to hit you. Yeah. Anyhow, hey, oh yeah, Remy, he he did a course on outdoor class about meal deer hunting. So mm-hmm. if you like Remy more than me or Corey, that's still a good reason to go sign up for outdoor <laughs> class. And who no. wouldn't like Remy more than us? He's uh, yeah, I saw him this week down in Reno. I bet uh, you did. Yeah. He and I were both going, running to another meeting, waved, hey, hi, how are you doing? Uh, <laughs> but I didn't see a cast on his hand, so has he recovered from that? I'm not sure. I just know he was hunting uh, with a mouth tab all fall, so. Yeah, that's cool. I I couldn't do that. I, You know, you see this right here? I had a root canal this week. I'd never had a root canal before. Have you ever had one? No, and I hope I never have to. From what I've heard, no, I'm I'm in the I'm in the wrong business, Doctor Jeff. You're a good <laughs> dude, man, but fourteen hundred and eighty-five dollars or whatever it was to be in that chair for twenty-two minutes. I'm like, man, I I got in the wrong profession here. No wonder he's got so many elk on his wall. <laughs> uh, he's only got to work like one day a month to pay his bills, and he goes elk hunting the rest of the time. So, and he probably uh, looks yeah. at it and says, "Man, if only I'd have been an orthodontist, then I would, I'd really probably. be making money." Yeah, well, what he does always tell me is, "Yeah, I should have been an accountant, then I could hunt more." <laughs> like hunt more? <laughs> Come on! Yeah, but oh well, I don't know how I got on that topic either. Other than I, I well, I know I got on that topic when I was down in Reno and I saw Remy. If he would have wanted to talk to me, I would have had to talk like I had a bag full of marbles in my mouth because my, my I had an abscess tooth that was bothering me down there. People probably thought it was being unfriendly or something. Hmm. It hurts. Yeah, I remember the movie. What was it? Uh, Tom Hanks. He got stranded out on an island with a volleyball. <laughs> yeah. What was that one? So, uh, like, damn, yeah. Castaway. I don't know. Castaway, yeah. Yeah, I was just about ready to grab a sharp, blunt instrument and smash that tooth to knock it out of there because it's, uh, you don't want one of those. No. So, I don't, I don't know. I'm glad it didn't happen in elk camp. 
I'd rather no. have a bum hamstring than an abscessed tooth. Yeah, the nerves I from would, the tooth would, are just too close to the brain, and it sends that signal really fast that, yeah. hey, this, this is painful. Yeah, so if any of you saw me in Reno last week, I apologize that I didn't do a lot of talking. I was mostly trying to keep from crying. <laughs> at least I wasn't passing a kidney stone up on a mountain in Alaska, in Alaska. like Donnie was. So. Yeah, no kidding. Um, what else we got left on our list, Corey? Well, we covered Wyoming and we covered Arizona. Arizona. Don't forget Wyoming deadline, January 31st, Arizona, February 14th. By the time this one drops, it might be like right on the due data for Wyoming. Wyoming yeah. So, yeah. If you have so. trouble remembering Arizona, which I, it amazes me every year how many people are like, oh, I completely missed the deadline for Arizona. And, uh, you know, it's Valentine's yeah. Day. So just, you there know, you as Randy and I talk about how intertwined marriage and elk hunting is, when you think of Valentine's Day, you better be thinking this year, Arizona application. Well, speaking of marriage advice and Valentine's Day, <laughs> what do you think my anniversary is, Corey? Uh, Valentine's Day, I would guess. It's plus or minus a few days of Valentine's Day. Really? So, yep. I proposed to my I, wife on Valentine's Day. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know that I proposed to my wife. I just said, honey, we're getting married on Saturday. And she said, well, we can't do that. My par my family can't get here. Your family can't get there. I'm like, that's the point. <laughs> get it that was done on a quick. Sunday. <clears throat> she picked me up at the airport. I just got back from Chicago for national training. And I said, hey, we're getting married on Saturday. She's like, that's only six days away. $20 in a blood test later, we were married. Man. Six days later. Bad so guy I, dressed I, I, like I Elvis? <clears throat> no, uh -uh. no, it was Justice <laughs> of the Peace in Carson City, Nevada. Yeah, I knew it was uh, Nevada, yeah. I don't think that qualifies as proposing, does it? Uh, you know, I mean, it's, no, probably not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was just like, a, you know, that, that's how it's going to be, you know. So, there's some more marriage advice. Don't have a big wedding. You know, didn't cost me nothing. 20 bucks. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Out the door. It almost could have been a drive through for as quick as it was. But, that is uh, true. Yeah. You know, yeah. Look at how much I get to hunt. Am I, in February, that'll be my 34th wedding anniversary. Wow. Yeah. I, I think that gives me full qualification to give hunting and marriage advice as a combined course. Uh, <laughs> combined. <laughs> yeah, this is, this isn't a, a two-part uh, course. This I, is intertwined. Yeah. I, I think now that I think about, I think we need to do for outdoor class. We need to add a course, hunting and marriage. Hmm. Brought to you. Brought to you. You know, subject matter expert Randy Newberg. Wow. All kinds yeah. of disclaimers. I, I was going to say, I think you're setting yourself up for some legal action with that. That's uh Well, we'll just have a, like, check the box thing, right? When you go into the course, check the box. I understand Randy is not a marriage counselor. <laughs> he's been hunting 100 days a year for the last 20 years, and he's still married after 34 years. And maybe have your wife do, like, a, a little intro, just saying... No. 
No. Yeah, no, I, I think it would. I think it would. She would. She would need to say something like, "Listen, Randy doesn't have a clue what he's talking about. Any success, <laughs> any success he has had in marriage is because of me. Any right. success That's he's true. had in elk hunting is because I let him go. And That's you know, then you can go into, and maybe, you know, what, what was that old? You know, TV show, they would sit there and they'd watch a movie and there'd be the two little puppets or whatever. The the shadows would be down the lower corner and they would kind of uh, comment during the during the movie. It was something theater, showcase theater or something. Huh. Anyway, we I'm should sure. have your wife sitting there in a little picture in a picture commenting about every time you gave advice. And she could that, uh, that would she be bad. That. <laughs> <laughs> At least it would be accurate and entertaining. Well, you know, there's a there's a hunting and elk hunting analogy to that. Then, you know, sometimes the very the most important part of your hunt is the earliest decisions you make in the hunt. Totally right. Like yeah. where to go, or are you going to do a base camp or a backcountry camp? Those are before the hunt even starts. Yeah. So the parallel to that in marriage is who you select is it's about 90% of whether or not they're going to tolerate you when you come home stinking like elk and haven't shaved for, you know, a month and you 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 missed work and you you know the yeah. the selection process there is you know they're, they're kind of like elk on you know totally. some of the earliest decisions you make are going to have a huge bearing on the success of it so if you pick the right person you, you know, don't just go and buy an elk tag without researching the unit, without researching no. other units, and you pick which one you feel is going to be the best for your style of hunting. Exactly. Yeah. And the equivalent to this is Arizona picks up the phone and says, Randy, we've got a Unit 23 early rifle hunt. Do you want it? That's what my wife was. She was <laughs> like, she was the equivalent of that. And then. Uh, who would be dumb enough to walk away from an Arizona early rifle unit 23 elk tag? You know, nothing better coming along. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, relative to what I brought to the table, I, 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 it was like, that was the easy one for me. What it's was like, it the man, guy Arizona? that you worked with said when he found out you were getting married? Oh, Don Bowman? Yeah. yeah. He said, Randy, I have met Kim and I've worked with you for three years. You don't bring anything to the table she couldn't replace by noon tomorrow, so behave accordingly. <laughs> that, that's good marriage advice. That guy, that guy's a subject matter expert. He is. He was. Yeah. God bless his soul. But uh, anyhow, I'm sorry to drag us into this, Corey. Here yeah. we are. We're an hour and 20 minutes into this, and we haven't provided hardly anything of value to the audience as it relates to elk hunting. That's not true. They're going to want their money back. They're going to send us, they're going to go to that elktalkpodcast.com link or whatever it is, and they're going to ask for their money back today. <laughs> That's all right. We'll send it to our finance department and they can sort it out. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I uh, appreciate you taking the time. Appreciate the audience listening to us. Absolutely. Uh, we got to drum up some more questions, though. I, it's just this time of year, everything gets so heavy in application season. It right? is. And then yeah, and uh, kind of when tags come out in May and June, then all the questions are about e-scouting and planning. Yep. And then finally we get to go hunting. And 
And, and we're gone in the woods when they're asking all the real questions. So. <laughs> 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 they probably feel like they never get any substance from us. Yeah, they're like, man, those guys got a racket going there. The, the, world, <laughs> the world actually thinks they know what they're talking about. That's why, remember when we recorded the first podcast mm-hmm. and we said, this could be the wrong place if you're looking for good elk advice? Yeah. I'm Here's a list of the other in. podcasts you can go to if you really want to learn something. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad that we kept that in the in the intro because yep. uh, it still applies. It's true. However many applies. years later, we're still here giving advice. advice. It's worth what you pay for it. Yep, exactly. So, <laughs> all right, I'm I'm going to let everybody go. They they got important work to do other than to hear us tell stories about. You know, catching ducks out of the air, shooting with your buddy's release or whatever. So, yeah. Well, if nothing else, they're on the treadmill with their headphones in at the gym, and people are wondering why they're over there giggling and laughing. Yeah. The the one thing I would say, though, folks, go to Elk 101 YouTube channel every Tuesday and Thursday night and watch Destination Elk. Yeah. There will be a little bit of laughter, but there is some good elk content with some good education as well. Yeah. So, and as always, if you go somewhere and they don't take the promo code Elk Talk, let us know. We'll nope. call them. We'll straighten them up. <laughs> I saw somebody the other day used a hashtag promo code Randy in an Instagram <laughs> post or maybe on YouTube or somewhere. But yeah, hashtag promo code Randy. That was, I, know. I like I know. that. I get calls from Sitka and I'm like, hey. Are you telling people about a promo code? I'm like, no. I, we Not don't have specific. a promo code for you guys. Yeah. And they're like, well, this week, like three people called and wanted to know why promo code Randy didn't work. I'm like, well, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> so, oh, maybe well. maybe activate it. Yeah. Maybe Arizona Game and Fish or Wyoming Game and Fish or Montana or I don't know. Maybe we should get a promo code with them that if you use promo code Randy, you get like, Double the number of random Ooh, numbers, or something. extra bonus point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> oh well. <laughs> All, right. All right, this is getting too bad, Corey. You have a great day. You too. <laughs> and thanks if you're still listening. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh.